Hello, everyone. I'm Becca, dietitian by trade, mom 24-7, wife from the start, and when there's a few extra hours in the day, you might find me hitting the trails or on horseback. And I'm Kara, a therapist to women, a mom to a boy, an entrepreneur, mountain junkie, and a postpartum runner. And this is Fit for a Queen, a podcast that's devoted to the female athlete wanting to balance the teeter-totter of all the things we desire out of life as women. Performance, health, intellect, and taking time for self, even if we only get one minute out of the day. We're so excited to be bringing you the queens in the athletic world who have done just that. Okay, ladies, take a seat at your thrones, grab your crowns, and welcome to Fit for a Queen. Well, welcome back, queens. We have Dr. Amanda Fisher, also known as Empower Your Pelvis. She is a physical therapist with a specialty in pelvic health. Amanda developed pelvic floor dysfunction while in physical therapy school and started down the path of becoming a pelvic health therapist. Her passion for pelvic health grew even more with having children, so she decided to open a pelvic health practice in South Kansas City. Whoop, whoop. The summit. (laughs) Um, In its name, Empower Your Pelvis. The EYP team is dedicated to helping men and women improve their pelvic floor dysfunction and keeping them striving to live their best life. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you for having me. Hello. Hello. <laughs> All right. I mean, it's been a while since um, we've actually had anybody talk about public health, and I think that's one that a lot of people don't know about. As I, you know, shared with you, I, I feel like I'm fairly knowledgeable with research and science. And um, gosh, I hadn't even heard of that probably five years or so. Um, and it's it's growing with more and more attention. We know it's really common in, in Europe for women and men to be seen for this. So just tell us what is pelvic health and why do you feel it's so important? Yes. Um, so pelvic health is dealing with the muscles inside the pelvis. So um, when in physical therapy school, we learn, you know, how to move the muscles, you know, in the shoulders and the whole rest of the body. And we kind of just graced over the pelvis. Um, and now days 10, you know, 10 years later, since I've graduated, it's a little bit different. I, I, from what I understand, a lot of the universities are actually teaching more public health, but back in my day, um, in 2009, um, 2010 era, we were on a conference or in a conference for physical therapy and we had to go for our class to go visit every little oh goodness, um, category of physical therapy. And I happened to pull the short straw with another classmate to go to the women's health portion. Back then it was considered women's health. So we didn't have men's health in it. So again, this is not that long ago. It doesn't feel that long ago, um, 2009, 2010. And um, I was sitting in the class and I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, this is me. They were talking about running and peeing your pants. And at the time I'm like 22 and I'm like, well, gosh, we learned that muscles are supposed to work a certain way. And these muscles are supposed to hold back urine. And I was experiencing the opposite Mm -hmm. and it kind of just like light bulbs kept going off. And then, um, also hearing in that conference too, about pain with sex. And, um, I had started experiencing that as well. So it kind of piqued my interest. My goal was to go more sports medicine. Um, and I ended up transitioning, um, into the public health because I realized as women, like we had, I had so many questions that I was holding on to that I wasn't getting good answers. And I, I had to know more. I had to know why it was happening, what was going on, um, piqued my curiosity. I ended up coming out in, um, 
out of grad school in 2011 and joining a private practice clinic in Lee Summit. And they were so nice to let me kind of open up the women's health program there. And at that time, too, this is 2011, we thought public health was just Kegels. Um, <laughs> that muscles down there, oh, you're peeing your pants. Well, you just need to strengthen them. And I was at the time seeing a lot of high school athletes and um, athletes from UMKC um, for like back pain. But then I would start to ask them because, again, I was curious, like, hey, um, are you peeing your pants when you're throwing that softball? Are you peeing your pants when you're kicking the soccer ball? Um, when you land from your cheerleading or gymnastics, like, are, are you guys peeing your pants? And it was just overwhelming the number of young females who hadn't had children yet that were saying yes. So again, piqued my interest, started moving further down the path of public health and trying to figure out why, because still at the time, if you had children, it was common. And these young females who were, you know, 15 to 21, who were peeing their pants, it just, it was very odd that they were peeing in my mind. And so I would go out and talk to their coaches who happened to be male. Um, and they were just like, well, this is normal. Like the girls have a change of clothes. This is normal. And I'm like, wow. nothing normal. <laughs> Mm-mm. It's normal about this in my mind. Like, again, these muscles must not be working to their full advantage if they're letting go of urine. Um, so then I started having children, experiencing a few more pelvic floor issues, and realized that um, uh, actually, let me rewind one second. While I was there at that clinic, I would hold these pelvic floor conferences. Thank God my old boss believed in me. But, like, again, we're in Lee Summit, conservative Midwest. Um, I would have, like, three people show up for my first couple of them that were called, like, bladder, bladder, what's the matter? And I just kept, like, okay, well, another one. And next time we'll aim for, like, five people and ten people. And then one time we had a 90-something people, which oh was pretty I know. That was probably, like, 2013. So it was pretty exciting um, that then we just kept specializing further. And by then, I remember back then it was just Facebook. I had not been on Instagram. And um, I would post about things and I would get such hate hate messages like, why are you putting this out on the internet? Like, people don't need to know what's going on with the pelvis. And I was like, oh, oh, really? They don't? Like, okay, well, then I'll delete it. And I just kept deleting all these posts that I would put out there and then realized, like, no, I want to I want to help someone. And if I even just help one person, then that's going to be huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and started finding the need that I would get these messages of women that were like, thank you so much. I haven't I didn't realize dealing with pelvic pain or didn't realize seeing my pants um, was something that I could improve. And I was dealing or living with this shame and guilt. So um, I started really diving deeper into the public health and realized like, gosh, women, we live in this body, you know, for years and we need to know how it works. Amen. Your body's very good at letting you know, like, okay, that's uncomfortable. Can you please stop doing that? Or, hey, we've probably pushed ourselves too far. Maybe we need to back off. Like, it's very good at letting you know it's endurance and pain thresholds. Um, And we need to start recognizing those. And I think we could prevent a lot of different issues down the road if we did. Absolutely. Well, that kind of leads to my next question. I know we've talked about kind of peeing our pants, but what are some (laughs) other common mistakes women make in regards to pelvic health? Yeah. Um, So a lot of like diagnoses that we see in the clinic would be the urinary incontinence. So peeing or pants, um, pelvic organ prolapse is another one. Um, and that's where the muscle tissue is supposed to support, um, your bladder, your uterus and your rectum, you know, within the vaginal walls, those muscles should hold it up, but those muscles can, um, be weakened or lengthened. Um, maybe even the ligaments have lengthened, but what we want to work on is giving those muscles more support 
Because when they don't, say due to straining to have a bowel movement or because of um, a history of constipation um, or straining with lifting, like holding our breath, or I even got mine um, prior to children, they said from so much (laughs) endurance running um, that those organs can push down on those muscles. And then if we continue to do poor body mechanics and bad habits, it'll turn into feeling that pressure in the vaginal canal. But it can be one of those or it can be a mixture. Um, so for some of our women, um, it may even be that the rectum is pushing in on those walls and it's more of a rectocele or when um, they may need to insert their fingers vaginally to be able to have a bowel movement to be able to push that stool out. Um, we may, we see a lot of women with tailbone pain, low back pain, hip pain, um, lower abdominal pain, pain with intercourse. Um, and then we treat a lot of diagnoses like the endometriosis and um, PCOS with, that goes along with some of that pelvic pain area too. And then our prenatal postpartum population. And it can be men or women that come into our clinic um, where our men popu- male population is starting to really boost. Um, it's a little, again, Midwest. It's not as um, talked about out here as it is on the East and West Coast, but I'm hoping we'll see that change too in the future. So interesting. So as, you know, this pelvic floor um, health is, we're getting more awareness. I don't think anybody would think about PCOS, irritable bowel, back pain being related to that. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's super interesting and it makes sense as it's all connected. So I'm curious, like, what are some of the common ailments the female athlete may be struggling with specifically? Um, you talked about endurance. You talked about lower back pain, hip pain. I mean, those are all common injuries and complaints I think we'd hear a lot from female athletes. Tell us how that could be related to the pelvic health. Yeah. So these muscles, they connect from the front to the back of the pelvis, not to the side. So you get we have hip rotators that are connected within the pelvic floor muscles. And when I say pelvic floor, it's just an umbrella term for a lot of muscles in the pelvis. People tend to think it's one big muscle, but it's not. Um, and then it connects in the low back as well. So sometimes if they're having tension in the pelvic floor muscles, it may even refer to their back or their hip. Um, or if they have tightness and range of motion in their hips, it may refer into that pelvic pain um, realm as well. So, with our female athletes, um, what we see a lot of is more high tone pelvic floor because these muscles, they move when we move, when our lower legs are moving, when we're moving our body, those muscles should move up and down. I say like a trampoline. Um, but if you look at your arm, you should be able to contract your arm and relax it all the way out. And that's how those muscles should work. But when we are doing high intensity or, um, exercise for a long period of time, those muscles, if we're not taking the time to like relax them out or stretch them out afterwards, like they can turn into a hypertonic pelvic floor, which just means high tone. Or if you look at your arm, it's staying more contracted. So our, that can cause issues like the pelvic pain. They might feel spasms down there or the tailbone pain or the hip pain or the low back pain. Um, we get, we see a lot of the prolapse with our patients that are doing like heavy lifting or again, poor body mechanics. Um, or straining. What we see a lot with our runners that are coming out like postpartum is poor posture with mm-hmm. those activities that may then change um, the dynamic of the pelvic floor muscles, causing more of the leakage or of the prolapse. So um, I think as runners, because I, I made this mistake, it's almost like my pelvic PT hat came off after having babies um, because your like competitiveness kicks back in and you're like, <laughs> okay, 
I got released from my doctor and I'm eight weeks postpartum and I'm, I want to go out for my run to see what kind of endurance I still have. And my goal was not to go out and just like go a half a mile or go, a, you know, four houses down the street. It was, I'm going to go for three to five miles, which oh, is wow. dumb. Cause I, Oh, that's dumb. <laughs> you bet. Yeah. <laughs> go get them. <laughs> Green light means go. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see what my endurance is in my lungs. I didn't even think muscle endurance. And I think a lot of women forget that too. Like if you are experiencing the leaking, like your pelvic floor is probably telling you I've had enough, either I've had enough of the posture that you're putting me in when you kind of fatigue out, or I just, my endurance is not there to be able to support the bladder at this time. Um, or the prolapse too. Women will feel that pressure in their vagina and typically postpartum we don't want to promote running that far distance that soon on because the muscles aren't aren't supportive enough. Well, uh, let me give a scenario. For example, I, I read the book, The Athlete Gut, and they were like talking about, and I'm going to like give names, but elite runners that have like literally kind of crap themselves while they're running or it, they make it normalized that they pee themselves what you're saying is actually that's just an accepted normalcy that really shouldn't be. Yes. And actually, I remember reading that back when I first started getting into all this. Like, you're not a true runner. I think it was in Runner's Magazine or Runner's, yeah, Runner's yeah. World. Mm-hmm. You're not a true runner. You pee your pants. And I remember thinking, like, well, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. Something else is going on. And that's Gross. where yeah. our endurance runners will come in thinking like, well, I've been doing like a whole bunch of Kegels and you're like, oh my gosh, no, like your muscles barely moving. It would be like your arm being fully contracted and trying to do a bicep curl with it fully contracted. It's not, it's going to fatigue out very quickly because it's holding itself for so long and it doesn't have that range of motion to be a strong muscle group. So you've got to really learn and it's hard for them to understand that. Like you've got to learn to let it out to be strong again, to work through that full range of motion. But I, I would say nine times out of 10, we see that in the clinic more often than we see true weakness of like, oh, yeah, you've got to build up that strength. Usually because we have so many different muscles down there and it's interconnected with the hip rotators um, that there are, there's more tension built up. I like to say like you've got your like type A personality muscles that really work overtime and are usually more contracted. Oh, I like that, type a. Mm-hmm. have like your anterior portion or the front portion of the pelvic floor that likes to be on vacation, you know, and they're like your type B personality. Like, yeah, you got it. You're going to take care of the group project. Um, but we want the full group to work together as a team. And if we bring everybody's strengths together, then it can work out really beautifully and we can continue to be nice, strong endurance athletes without having any of those symptoms. But if you're seeing those, then you need to kind of stop and question like, okay, did I like, how was my posture? How, how was my jumping? Was I landing properly? Um, if I was like for runners, we tend to go more like shoulders up and back, which will then kind of lengthen those abdominal muscles and then change how the anterior front portion of that pelvic floor is involved with running. And then that tends to be when we'll find more leaking. So stick with that, like running where you're kind of letting gravity pull you forward. We'll keep our core our ribs stack with our pelvis more naturally where it'll move very well and work well. But if we get tired and we'll see it with our new moms or we're like, well, I've been going out for a four mile run. I'm like, great. But at like 20 seconds, you're changing your posture yeah. <laughs> and we've got to start getting you strong. Um, just kind of like how runners will practice the marching. Um, I know Nathan Carlson will do that with his runners. 
um, you've got to get strong with your ribs kind of stacked over your pelvis in certain activities and build up that endurance so then we can decrease any of the pelvic floor issues. And that's just like one scenario. Amanda, can you chat a little bit about Kegels? I think that's the most well-known thing that we yeah. know about. But there is – when do you use it? And there is a chance that we can do Kegels too much, right? And that can not be helpful. Yeah. So um, the Kegel exercise is basically just the contraction. So it would be, again, like flexing your arm all the way up. And so where we see where women will do this wrong, because they'll read, I need to do Kegels, is they'll just do like a squeeze, barely relax, squeeze, barely relax, squeeze, barely relax. And that's when it turns into more of a high tone public form. What we like to teach in the clinic is picking, like doing the, the Kegel, but then also adding in the reverse Kegel. So picking it up, putting it all the way back down. And how I like to treat or train people in this is um, what I usually say or cue is try to pick up a blueberry with your vagina and then try to put it all the way back down or try to suck a smoothie through a straw and then let that smoothie go all the way back down. So with, with our um, Kegels too, women will tend to miss that front portion of the pelvic floor. Mm -hmm. So if we can cue them to think more like kind of how your mouth would do something because they're connected, all goes back in utero, about eight weeks of gestation. If you can kind of cue that in your mind for visualization, the pelvic floor is beautiful with that. So you can actually cue, I call them blueberries. Our patients know blueberries and they know smoothies. Um, and that really helps to train it and then bring it all the way back down. And I will tell them, these are not Kegels. These are the reverse Kegels, and these are way more important than a real Kegel because you're learning that range of motion, and we're going to put you in different positions to try to train the portion of the pelvic floor that we need to kick on for you. Mm -hmm. And then when it's working well, then we do it with, you know, full body, you know, squats or RDLs or whatever exercise that we need to get back with. Like strength training has finally evolved with runners where they're actually like building that in into seasons and sort of other sports. Should yeah. people do pelvic health exercises proactively or do they usually wait till symptoms? What does that look like? I I feel like people wait <laughs> until the issue is there. Until they um, pee their pants. I, we, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and for women, we tend to like have symptoms and then we're like, well, let's see if it happens again. Well, let's see if it happens again. And then pretty soon we've had our symptoms for like four years, Right because we haven't done anything about it or they've progressively gotten worse. What we would love to see in the public health world is prevention. I'm very big on speaking about prevention. Um, I want my women to kind of come in and get checkups and they do now after they've been a part of public health, our patients will like check in with us like once a year. Can you just see, I want to make sure everything's still looking good down there. Absolutely. So we do like a wellness visit with them. Um, And I love that because they want to prevent having pelvic organ prolapse in the future peeing their pants seven years after postpartum or menopausal time period, like they see um, genetically maybe how their family has developed pelvic floor issues and they want to truly avoid that. And I love that for them. Um, So preventative, it's huge. I think we do it with the rest of the body. We should definitely do it with the pelvic floor as well. Because we do, we want to stay strong as runners. So we do the resistance training to avoid an injury, right? And we need to look at the pelvic floor with the incontinence and prolapse and pelvic pain more as like that's our injury that we need to figure out how to avoid that with the preventative measures. Empower it. 
You see what I did there? Yeah, yeah look at <laughs> Becca. <laughs> such good marketing. Amanda, this is such good information. I'm so glad the pelvis is getting more popular in oh, yeah. the United States as well as the Midwest, because you're right. I think we're a little bit behind when it comes to other countries. And, of course, I work with the postpartum mom. So it's uh, definitely a discussion that I am asking how the recovery is doing, how pain is doing, how sex is doing, mm-hmm. how getting back to physical act- activity is doing. And they have no idea what, like, a pelvic floor um, therapist is. So I'm glad right. we're talking about it more. Yes. And that. Yeah, I love the prenatal and postpartum population because it, your body just, it completely changes. <laughs> uh-huh. And you really, like, I feel like then even we're like, need to bring light to those muscles and let them know like, well, this is why we're having back pain or this is why um, you are leaking. And um, no, like the six weeks postpartum is not, from then on is not beautiful. Like everybody's body heals different. And we need to figure out like how to get yours to get back on track. And it's going to be different than it was prior to, you know, getting pregnant Um, and shedding light there and helping them with their future, I think is really huge. And letting them know that again, like this, the recovery down there may last more than, you know, your typical eight months, six months, 12 months postpartum. Sometimes it takes a little bit longer depending on how your delivery and childbirth um, went. So um, yeah, we love, love helping our ladies. I just heard about this. You could do some physical therapy around, like, the C-section scars, too. Oh, yeah. C-section mamas are my jam. Um, I'm a C-section mama of three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was another thing. Um, I ended up putting out a C-section guide for our women. It started out here just for our hospitals, and then it's advanced on because of online learning, which is fabulous. But, yeah, there's so much to be done um, for our C-section moms because you go home, and you're like, great, what do I do? I just had major abdominal surgery. Yeah. Just not supposed to walk stairs for a little bit and it's yeah there's so much unknown there that uh, we like to get our c-section moms in here pretty early uh, like four weeks postpartum as long as they're feeling okay but to go over like this is you know the belly is behaving this way because we're probably doing too much on our feet still too soon like what other ways can we you know rock the baby to sleep instead of standing on our feet for hours because that's a lot of weight mm-hmm. on that scar tissue with the abdominal organs um, and then teaching them what supportive um, garments might be helpful, um, how to retrain the core, get the body talking again um, to help support them. Because our C-section moms are typically the ones that are like, holy cow, I had no idea um, that any of this was involved. And I wish someone would have said something. So my heart, my heart goes to our C-section mamas. Oh, yeah. Amanda, gosh, showing, just giving us a lot of information. Thanks so much for um, chatting with us today. And we love to end mm-hmm. our interviews with wondering how you live out the fit philosophy and balancing performance, health, intellect, and time for self, especially during these crazy times. COVID chaos. COVID chaos. Okay. <laughs> I learned very early on that I had to stick to my routine during COVID. Because um, I, I went a couple days of sleeping in and not having my routine, and it became out of balance for me. So um, for me, I like to get up in the morning and have time to myself. Um, I used to think 5 a.m. was early enough for that, but it's not because my children are early risers, like their mother. Mm-hmm. So I at 4 a.m. to do my exercise resistance training. Um, I do my journaling, um, and then I try to read like a growth book. Um, I'm very big on continuing to grow. So like right now is, um, oh, the monk book. 
shoot. Jay Shetty is the author, though. Okay. Uh, we'll check it out. So reading a little bit out of that book. Um, and then eating well. I try to eat a healthy, balanced diet, um, which got a little crazy during COVID as well. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I ate my feelings, probably like a lot of people. <laughs> uh, yeah, if I can on pathway, everything seems to go really well. Like you can just tell the body is, is happy. Well, again, thank you so much for being on, Amanda. And where can we um, send our people to empower your pelvis? Are you on Instagram and Facebook? Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. On Instagram, it's empower.your.pelvis. Mm-hmm. Um, our website is empoweryourpelvis.com. And then on Facebook, we're actually still under Amanda Fisher, public for physical therapist. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much, Amanda. Thanks, you have Amanda. a good day. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye, Queens. Today's episode is brought to you by Yours Truly. I'm excited to announce the releasing of my book, Finding Your Sweet Spot in Sport, Avoiding Relative Energy Deficit in Sport, also known as Red S, by optimizing your energy balance. Be sure to follow me on social media or go to my website, www.beccamacomble.com. Bye, Queens. For additional information on today's topic and guests, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fit for a Queen. And Hashtag Fit for a Queen. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. We can't wait for you to join us next time on Fit for a Queen. Bye, Queens.